Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is sponsored by Still a Work in Progress by Joe Knowles. In a return to middle grade fiction, Master of Perspectives Joe Knowles depicts a younger sibling struggling to maintain his everyday life when his older sister is in crisis. Noah is just trying to make it through seventh grade. The girls are confusing, the homework is boring, and even his friends are starting to bug him. Not to mention that his older sister, Emma, has been acting pretty strange, even though Noah thought she'd been doing better ever since The Thing They Don't Talk About. The only place Noah really feels at peace is an art class with a block of clay in his hands. As it becomes clear through Emma's ever stricter food rules and regulations that she's not really doing any better at all, the normal seventh grade year Noah was hoping for begins to seem pretty unattainable. In an affecting and realistic novel with bright spots of humor, Joe Knowles captures the complexities of navigating middle school while feeling hopeless in the face of a family crisis. Still a work in progress is available wherever books are sold. All right, welcome to another special edition of Book Riot Interviews, our intermittent now series where we really get into the weeds with people who, uh, unlike us, uh, Rebecca and I and our co-hosts actually know something about books and how they're made and what's going on. And uh, this one's about children's books. And we've got two uh, people have written for Book Riot, two people have just published um, this year their debut children's books, uh, Rita Mead, who a lot of you know from the from Book Riot and the Dear Book Nerd podcast from Brooklyn, and then Min Lei, who also wrote for Book Riot too, but has written for the New York Times, having to post a bunch of people as well, uh, bigger and better things than us. Um, your book is called Let Me Finish, Min, right? Yeah, um, that's right. And Rita's new book just came out two days ago, as we're recording now on the 15th of September, Edward Gets Messy. Min's book is from... Disney Hyperion and Rita's book is from SNS Simon and Schuster Books for Young Readers. So first of all, congratulations to you both for having books out this year and getting through the process. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, and thanks, thanks for having us on. <laughs> oh, my, my pleasure. And I was saying to these guys before the show um, on the main podcast, we talk mostly about adult fiction um, and young adult, but we don't we don't often delve into the world of children's books unless there's a big story or a study or something else like that. And Rebecca and I and, and Amanda, too, don't really know much about the world of children's books. I have a pretty good sense now, after having done the podcast and the site for coming up on five years, believe it or not, uh, of the world of adult publishing and, you know, sort of how a bill becomes a law, how a manuscript becomes a book. But I don't know how the world of children's children's book works, um, what the trends are, what the process is. I'm assuming to some degree it's like and unlike. Uh, I know this is a, a bold statement and prediction for me about how it is. Um, but I kind of what I'd like to do is um, kind of like we did at a, a panel last year, a book where I kind of do farm to table. Like how do you go from an idea to a manuscript to an agent to an editor um, to a book that appears shiny and bright uh, on the cover? Um, so I guess, Min, we'll, we'll start with you. When did you start thinking about writing a children's book? Um, so I've wanted to write a children's book for a long time. I, if I had to trace it back, it'd probably be like senior year of college. So okay. um, I just had my 15-year reunion, so 15 years ago. Um, but I've always kind of kept it as a, as a hobby or on the back burner. And it wasn't until I'd say two, three years ago that I actually like took up 
uh, sent an actual manuscript out into the world. Okay. Uh, and Rita, I, I, I remember we were at, I, I remember finding out when you had a book that was accepted, and that was a couple years ago um, mm-hmm. at uh, Housing Works, if I remember. Um, when did you start thinking about, you're a children's librarian, I should say, too. And Min, you also mm-hmm. work in public policy around children's education. So you both professionally, in addition to being authors, work around kids' books. But Rita, when did you start? When did the, 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 the seed first uh, germinate? Um, well, really, since I was a kid, I've been writing stories mm. just for fun because I was that kind of kid. And um, t- putting together the actual manuscript took a while. So I would say for this particular story, like actually wanting to turn it into a book or thinking that it might be a book someday um, was only about four years ago. Okay. No, five years ago. It took it took I got my agent around 2012. Mm-hmm. So that's four years from, you know, start to finish. Right. I, but I, I've always I, been writing stories. I forgot to ask, what age groups are both your books aged at, uh, aimed at? Min, I think I know Rita's, but Min, what's yours? You know, I, I think Disney officially labels it two to five, but okay. I, I think of it as a broader range than that. <laughs> what, what is the broader range you think of it as? Um, birth to death, probably. Oh, birth to death. Oh, cradle <laughs> to grave. Socialist, uh, socialist uh, children's yeah. book. Uh, and Rita, yours is about the same, right? Two to five? Is that yours? Yes, birth yeah. to death, yes. Birth to, birth um, to death. No, I, I think uh, a little bit older. So oh, a little I, bit older. They say four to eight. Okay. Um, I, I've, I've read it to younger kids around two, and it's not quite, you know, it's, yeah. it's more interactive with like kindergarten, pre-K. Gotcha. So that's my. <laughs> so let's start. Let's old. start there. What are the big um, brackets for kids' books? Like, what are it's? What are they? What are the buckets you have to? I assume when you think about a story, and especially when you think about a manuscript and an agent, you've got to say, "I'm aiming it at X bracket." How, mm-hmm. how do they break down? Well, I would I would say um, the way I look at it, and sometimes the age range varies by sure. publisher right. how they categorize it, but it's typically kind of like you have like board books. Then like the two to five preschool mm-hmm. range, and then like I'd say like four to eight year olds, and then you start getting into middle grade. Okay. And then, then YA. Does that sound about right to you, Rita? I think so. Um, it, I hate to <laughs> I hate to put labels on things, but <laughs> you know because you can use picture books with pretty much any age, right? Yeah. Um, and vice versa, but. The way I approached it was I wanted something that was fun to read aloud to kids that was kind of silly and educational and um, not messagey, but, you know, that had a point that I wanted to get across. Mm -hmm. And so I knew for me, like, that's like four to five to six. They have to be an old enough to get a point. Right, they have to be old enough yeah. to understand. But not too old, be like, this is so dumb. <laughs> okay. Because that's what you, you bring up a good point in that when I was writing, I don't think I wrote with a particular like age bracket in mind. It was kind of like I wrote the story that I kind of wanted, and then afterwards it was pitched and put into like a, a demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, like you said, that's kind of like shorthand for who to market it to, but it doesn't necessarily limit it to, to the audience. Um, okay, we'll come to agenting in a second. So, I mean, this, the I, archetypal children's book of this age range is, you know, it's kind of one of those big kind of squat rectangles. I don't even know. I, I, there's probably even standard size in children's book, though, judging from my kid's bookshelf, it, it, it doesn't look that way. Um, and there's a bunch of illustrations and, you know, it says the publisher and everything like that. But 
when you're writing, I'm guessing, and maybe there's a variety of ways it doesn't do this, like you're not working with an illustrator yet at this point, right? Like, I don't know what a children's book manuscript looks like. I, I don't have any sense of what the relationship is to what the final copy that appears on the shelf to what gets submitted, I, I guess, first to an agent. Um, h- how are they different? How different are they? Uh, Amin, why don't you start and then read it? Um, it's funny you talk about the difference between like an adult book versus a kid's book. Um, when I was working on the book, I went up to visit a friend in New York and we were both working on, on books. He was working on this really brilliant, like environmental nonfiction book about the environmental impact of black carbon. Mm-hmm. And, um, we met up at a bar and he had like this 600 page manuscript <laughs> on the table with his beer using like a coaster. And I just pulled out this like one sheet of paper out of my back pocket, <laughs> like <laughs> and threw it on the table. And like, it was the, the difference is pretty drastic. Um, cause for mine, there, my manuscript tends to be like one to two pages front and back with some text and some very light, light illustration notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also tend to prefer books with like kind of um, minimal text. Okay. But but it, it really is. In this case, it was one one sheet of paper front and back. And is that how yours was, Rita? Um, pretty much. I I started handwriting as well. And then I transferred it to my Word, my uh, Microsoft Word, because I was totally in the mm-hmm. current technology. Um, but it, the current version is very, very different from the original version. Sure. The original version was much too wordy hmm. for a picture book. And that was something my agent helped me, you know, remember is like, you don't have to explain every little detail. Um, and also, it's only 32 pages. They they don't want that many words. You okay. Know? That was my next question. Like, do you have a, I mean, how do you understand how long the book is going to be? Do you do it by word count? Like, how do you know at that, at that stage, how long your book is? Well, picture books kind of come in standard page lengths. Okay. Um, and that's by the way they, they print the book and fold it. So a typical picture book is 32 pages. Okay. Um, but it can, if it's a little bit longer, it can be 40. Okay. Um, but that's you kind of know the page count that you're you're working with, mm-hmm. and you kind of um, that's kind of an industry standard, right? So you know the page count you're working with, but do, mm-hmm. you how do you know how many words to do then? Because you know, as, as I read my kids' books um, that are this age, the it can vary quite a bit how many words are on a particular page. Do you know about how long the book is going to be in terms of pages based on on word count at all? I think it depends on the story, really. Depends on the story, okay. Yeah. And also you kind of have to map it out so that the page turns make sense and, you know, where you break in the reading makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, maybe not everyone considers. Mm -hmm. That was something that I learned from reading books in story time. Oh, yeah. Some of the some of the page breaks were a little awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you just kind of have to feel it out. Mm hmm. And read it out loud a few times and, you know, is this word going to go on this page or is this word going on this page? And then the illustrations come in and they complicate everything even more. Yeah, that's really interesting because I'm guessing with novels, and again, I haven't written a novel, though I have written dissertations and stuff like that. You you kind of don't want one page with one line at the top and then a chapter break or something like that. But that you can sort of muck around with. Um, With there, it's really that where the page happens is part of the 
structure of the story as much as, as almost anything else in the book. I hadn't really ever considered that before. Um, then you said you used, you included some light il- illustration notes. Is that industry standard? Like what, what I know, again, there's exceptions, there's a wide variety of experiences, but what's the typical sort of on submission to an agent's relationship, of, you know, how much about illustrations included? Do, do you have a sense of it or is it, or is there not one? Yeah, no, I know that, um, Within the industry, illustration notes is kind of like a very um, specific and important piece in that you really don't want to be stepping on the illustrator's toes and telling them, giving them stage direction and like telling exactly what you want, like a character to be wearing or looking like. But for me, like when you are trimming down the text so much and you want the story to be conveyed through the illustrations, Mm -hmm. sometimes you need a little bit of a note to kind of make the story make sense because if you just have the the text then there's nothing connecting some of the the plot lines right so right i i kind of try to limit illustration notes to just what the illustrator would need to understand the story and understand the where the story's going um and then try to leave as much room as possible for illustrator to kind of infuse their own flavor and stuff and so I guess even to help, help the agent understand it, right? Like there's probably visual information that needs to be conveyed somehow. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not for the final version of the book, it's sort of like, let me almost like a storyboard or something like that. Like, you know, here's right. how the thing is put together. Um, mm-hmm. So then, uh, Rita, you did the same thing. Is that how, how, how it went with you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I feel like Maine and I have very similar <laughs> Experiences like yes, what Min said. Um, <laughs> okay, but we'll yeah, find something we can fight about here. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a the middle of my book um, is m- like the when the climax happens. Mm-hmm. It's mostly through illustration, mm. at least for like a couple of pages. Um, so it was important to let, like Min said, like tell the, what the structure of the story is, but then the illustrator gets a lot of license. Mm-hmm. So it's a fine balance. And, and that's what the ed- agents and editors are really helpful with is, mm-hmm. you know, letting the author's vision come through, mm-hmm. but also like letting the illustrator, um, you know, have room to have some creative license, be creative. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I and imagine Ms. Bihar, I mean, one of the sort of chestnuts about a debut author or really authors in adult at all is like they don't like their cover you know they're unhappy with it I, m- I imagine it must be that times like a thousand for children's books I mean because it's so integral part of the story mm-hmm. um, we'll come back to the, I know the illustration part comes a little bit later in the process so you have a manuscript you submit it to the agents is that is it kind of like how from there in terms of the agenting process is it like uh, as far as you know adult books I mean what's the process then you, you submit it to a bunch of people and they offer representation and you go off to the races from there. Is that right? Yeah. I imagine on, on that front, it's the process is probably the same. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to offer one piece of advice for, or two pieces of advice for people looking to pitch to agents, it's the first piece is probably the same as for adults is just to follow the submission guidelines. <laughs> right. I mean, that, that's the number one mistake people are going to make. If you, if you can't even read the agent's page and like how to submit stuff, then, then you're starting off in a hole. Um, mm-hmm. But the second piece and is something that was really helpful for me because I grew up kind of drawing and stuff. So in my mind, I thought like, even if I'm not the illustrator, I should submit something so that people can see where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a big no-no. If you're not if you're not a professional illustrator or you're not like the illustrator for this book, um, the 
industry kind of says, do not um, submit sketches. We don't want your stick figures. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He was like, <laughs> and the, the way like someone explained to me, they're like editors and agents, like they do this for a living. They can look mm. at a page of text, a, a slim manuscript, and kind of fill in the gaps and like kind of picture what needs to happen. So you don't have to do that for them. Yeah, it's almost and, like they do it for a living, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. Um, <laughs> So then the next place you get an agent, uh, I mean, I know it's not easy. I know that's not easy. Uh, you know, do you get, you, you have to submit a bunch of times, you get a bunch of rejections, you get any notes. Um, and so eventually an agent picks you up and then, and then they, do they do, you know, kind of like some agents do in adult books, do they do notes and drafts and versions or do you more turn around and go right to the editor knowing it's going to change, but you don't do anything right there? How, how did that oh, work for you, Rita? Oh boy. <laughs> Well, you said before your agent did a lot of work. I just realized. Are you talking to Yeah, to you, Rita? right? Yeah. I'm having trouble hearing, I think. Um, oh, okay. So, like I said, my agent helped through like two years of revisions. There were a lot of revisions. And it was, it was a little painful. Mm. Um, major changes were made that I didn't want to change. But then I realized it helped the story to make those changes. So there's a lot of letting go mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a tough part of it. Um, but no, it was not submitted to any editors until we were both really comfortable with every single word, you know? Right. I see. Well, I guess there's just, there's not that many words, so you can give a little more microscope um, word to word. I mean, how was the experience for you on the agent level? Yeah, no, it was the same. The, the agent for me, um, he really helped me kind of hone the manuscript and make sure that it was really ready to go. Um, the way I kind of see it is like my, my, my wife is kind of like the first line of defense for me that she'll make sure like give sign the green light to send to my agent. <laughs> then my agent will be like the second line of defense and make sure that it's ready to go on to, to be pitched. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's, a, I'm not sure if every agent does that. Um, but I think it's, it's somewhat standard for the, the agent to almost like coach, coach your manuscript mm-hmm. and get it game ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're off to the publishing houses. And this is something I know nothing about is what they're looking for. Um, are they looking with an, I mean, they must be looking for an, art, an eye towards selling the book, of course, but are they looking for particular kinds of stories, particular features in a children's book? Like, as far as you know, um, what is a children's book editor looking for? Min, let's start with you with this one. Um, I think this is, this is where the, the agent comes into play a lot too mm-hmm. because they know all the different players and they know who may be in the market for your type of book. Mm-hmm. And I think there's no one answer. Like every house kind of has like a different flavor. Every editor within that house is going to have like a different perspective. Like I think that, that my editor, um, Rotan at um, Hyperion, kind of like has a particular eye for that kind of like metafictional picture book. Mm. And, and knowing that kind of um kind of helped before us we pitched to um i think like over 12 houses mm-hmm. or just to kind of like get it get it out there and and get some feedback and, and we're lucky enough to get a couple offers mm-hmm. uh rita how about you um we pitched to a, a few mm-hmm. and there were some some no's you know mm-hmm. um and Luckily, like it just takes that one editor who's like, right. yeah, I really, I really love this, this book and I want to work on this, pro-. you know, you have to get someone who's really invested in it. And 
I don't know what they're looking for. I, I <laughs> okay. think the, the market changes sure. rapidly. Mm-hmm. And there's always a new, you know, for everything, for YA and narrative fiction, like there's always a new yeah. topic that's that's hot. Do they do like a standard query letters um, for novels? Like they'll do comps, right? It's a girl on the train meets, uh, I don't know, Anthony Bourdain or something. You know, that's like you kind of use shorthand. Is that something that happens in children's books too to explain in a query or a pitch you know, on, on a shorthand or maybe maybe not? No, that, that's definitely something that, that we do. And that's something that I'll usually put forward a couple of comp suggestions to my agent. Mm. And then when they write the pitch letter, they, they always try to include that just to give – Again, like some shorthand for for the fact that there's a market there. Mm-hmm. Um, was that was that the same with you, Rita? Not in my particular experience, um, because I don't even think I had a query letter. <laughs> my <laughs> my agent uh, became an agent. You know, we were we were friends. He was working in publishing. I was like, oh. I'm writing a story. And then he became an agent and we kind of just went from there. Ah, I see. You kind of grew um, up together a little bit. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was sort of, you know, I'll, I'll help you. You help me. I don't know. Like he needed clients. I'm like, I have a story. And I didn't really think it would go anywhere. Cause you know, it's just a little story about mm-hmm. a pig, but eventually, you know, something worked along the way. Like it just started to gel and we're like, Hey, this could actually, you know, be a story. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't really answer the question, but no, I, no, I, think- I mean, they're idiosyncratic <laughs> stories. So I, I'm just trying to yeah. get a sense. Um, uh, back to the agent thing, you know, for those of you who don't follow the submission process closely out there listening, one thing people I think, and this is something that the self pub world is not as clued into, or they, they don't value as much is that the agenting process you're buying, you're, you're basically giving some royalty um, to them for their expertise for sure. But that being able to put a square peg in a square hole for a manuscript and an editor is like so much of what they do. And, and, you, and it's so hard to replicate on your own because mm-hmm. they have experience. They've met people. They know what book just sold well. At, I'm just going to use yours. Like at Disney last year, they're looking for something that's either A, the same, B, the different, or C, the same but different um, to <laughs> something else that happened before. Um, and being able to match and get a sense of who's right is hard, and 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 that's all. That's even above and beyond them just opening the email, right? The editors just like getting in their foot in the door, but they they know which door to try to stick their foot into. I guess is the metaphor. Mm-hmm. I'm looking a little bit there too. So um, yeah. I'm sure there's so many kids' books, just like adult books. You really have to know who's will be who has ears to listen uh, for a pitch at a particular story. So we're at the we're at the publishing house now. You have a signed contract. I don't want to. I, I don't want to get to ask you guys to reveal too much about uh, the economics pieces, but I don't know. Like, I, I know in the um, the adult world, the agents is you know ten, fifteen percent. Is that ballpark for kids, or is it is it much different? No, that, that sounds about right. That sounds Sim- about right. Similar, yeah. Similar. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you get to the the editor piece. Are there advances in kids' books? Like, I don't even know stuff this basic. <laughs> is that? Is it work the same way? Um. Yeah. Yeah, there can they, um, be, yeah. There can be, yeah. There can be. Is it standard? I guess is what I'm asking. Is it is it typical that if you have a signed book with you know a big five publishing house or you know a major kids book publisher that you're going to get an advance? I'm not sure if it's standard. I mean, okay. I like I said, I only know my experience, okay. and I didn't. I didn't want to push too hard with uh, <laughs> with that kind of thing. Like I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. grateful for what I did get, which was you know, um, but. I think 
it depends on the the author or illustrator, like whether or not they have published before, mm-hmm. um, whether or not the uh, you know whether or not the publisher knows that they can sell. Right. I don't think they're going to give like a like six figure advance. Well, it's all, you know a leverage situation, right? You know, yeah, for sure. But I think uh, every book deal is going to have have an advance. The the variable being how big. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And one thing that's interesting about the industry, um, and it also depends on the name of the author and the name of the illustrator. But I think typically, the illustrator gets a larger advance because oh, once you sell the manuscript the heavy lifting is going to be on the illustrator side from that point on. Mm-hmm. So whereas like I could hand in a manuscript, fine tune it with the editor and then work on other manuscripts, mm. the illustrator has to put a lot of hours into the illustration and all that. So in order to, to pay for their time moving forward, um, I think the advance is, is bigger on their end. See, that's, yeah. I was going to ask that question next. Like who does the illustrator work for? So they're, they're not unlike an author. They're sort of, almost outside contractors. They don't have like in-house illustrators or anything like that. Not, not in-house, but I think there's like editors will have like a stable of people that mm. they tend to work with, but I don't think they're like necessarily like exclusive to a, right. um, a house. Most of the illustrators I know kind of have multiple um, houses they, that they work hmm. with. And so they get advanced and do they get royalties, the illustrators as well? Mm-hmm. They do. I hope so. <laughs> okay, I, I, I frankly didn't even think about that. I, I, for yeah. some reason, I thought of them as being like cover designers, like they work in house and they, mm-hmm. you know. But that's not how it works at all. So then, so then there must be a really complicated matchmaking process then, but for well, an and, illustrator for a yeah. manuscript. Yeah, and Rita, you can tell me if you have different experience. Um, I can only speak to to mine, but I think mine's pretty standard in that we each got our own advances, um, and then. We get a, a split of so. There, let's say there's a the book creators get ten percent mm-hmm. of the book, um, the sales price or the cover right. price. Yeah, that split that those royalties are split in half between the author and mm-hmm. the illustrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there may be some variables there, but I think that's typically the the standard arrangement. Okay. Okay. So then, but in terms of who the illustrator works for, they they're working with the publisher. Right. I never talked to my illustrator, Olga Stern, who's wonderful. You like never, never did. You never, we never really to her. had contact. No. That, that was going to be my next question. I mean, do you have? I was. You didn't have any input. They, it's up to the edit. It's the editor's domain to decide who the yeah. illustrator is going to be. I, I don't know about you, man. I had some input, mm. especially in the very early stages, um, after seeing like the really rough sketches, but not, not all. Like a, I had, I had enough that I felt comfortable. Like okay. You know, there was nothing, maybe I just lucked out with the illustrator. Like she was awesome and she did a wonderful job. Um, but I, I had some input, but I wasn't like the last word or anything. Sure. The editor sure. and the art director were really working with the illustrator mm-hmm. closely. And I think that's, that's typical. And I think it's done for a reason. Um, that was something that surprised me going in to, to the industry is that they like to keep kind of like a firewall between author and illustrator, I think that's to keep the process kind of clean. So you don't have, wor- have to worry about like creative differences and managing egos and stuff like that. Um, I think having that standard is, is kind of for, for everyone's benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my story is a little bit different and atypical in that typically if you're not the illustrator, you sell the text and then the publisher 
buys that text and then selects and matches it up with the right mm. illustrator. Mm. Um, we went an unconventional route and partnered with an illustrator ahead of time and sold it as a package. Ah, Mm-hmm. Which wow. which is which is not not how it's supposed to be. Or and and not, why do that? I mean, what were what was the what was the reasoning to do that? Um, I think we just decided to take a take a chance. And I mean, for mine, since it was it was heavily conceptual, mm. um, we thought that partnering with an illustrator might be helpful. But it is a, a risk because an mm. uh, editor might have a completely different vision in mind and and may may go a different route. It happened to to work out really well for us. Mm. Um, but even with that selection, like partnering ahead of time during the the creation process, we we tried not to um, we tried to have everything go through the the editor mm-hmm. so that we wouldn't get step on her toes. And I know there's an art director position that gets involved here. And how is that? The, is the is it the art director like the editor for the illustrations, or who has the final say on the publisher side to to say yes or no to any element of the book? I don't know how they work it out behind the scenes. Mm. Um, I talked to the editor. Mm-hmm. She and I were in contact. And then she would talk to the art director and the illustrator. So I, I don't know. Oh, you <laughs> don't know. You're not sure. Um, who was Conciellery and who was Godfather? I'm not, I think not the editor had the final say. And the art director, you know, worked to make her ideas work within an mm-hmm. artistic context, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, sure. yeah no, if I, had to, if I had to guess what goes on in the black box, that would be my guess. <laughs> Is that the editor gets the, the big red button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, but, but they I think, work together yeah. in the office. Like it, at SNS, where I'm being published, they, they work together in-house, mm-hmm. as far as I know. So, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're, they're a team. They know, they know what they're doing. So once, so really, once the the words are done, uh, the words are done with the editor at the publishing house before the illustrator, and, and then I mean maybe there's sketches or something else, but like, are the words done before it gets matched with the illustrator, or is it sort of the text is in flux and being edited while they're finding the illustrator? Like, how how locked I guess are the words before the illustrator gets involved? So since Min had a different, yeah, you know, right, right, less sure. conventional yeah, that's, experience, that's for you, Rita. Yeah, um, sorry. We the words were pretty locked in okay. before they started looking for the illustrator, and even before they purchased the book, you know, they liked the story. Um, when my agent sent it to them, and then they're like, "Well, we really like this. Are you willing to change this mm. concept?" And I was like, heck yeah, um, <laughs> I'll change whatever you want. <laughs> I'll but, be who you want me to be. Oh, right. <laughs> but no, but the ideas that my editor had at the time to were, were phenomenal. Like I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense, mm-hmm. you know, because they know, they know what flows, they know what works. Mm-hmm. So it got to the point where, yeah, the, the words were pretty much done. And then you find things shift around a little bit as the illustrations come in. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of inevitable, but... For the most part, it's it's done because they, they don't want to tool around with it too much after. Mm-hmm. And then, so the timeline, I mean, you have this whole other, I mean, you, you have fewer words, but you have this whole other art piece. What's the timeline from being accepted by the publishing house to getting the book, you know, on, on the shelf at uh, Powell's? Um, yeah, no, for, for me, that's, that was probably the biggest surprise, um, but it makes total sense now. I'd say the minimum or the standard time between when you get the deal 
and when the book comes out is two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure how much different that is from the adult world. Yeah, I mean, it's not dissimilar. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, again, it ranges and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. you know, two years is – it's it feels like a long – it seems uh, – I remember when I first started learning about this stuff. I was like, two years? I, that seems <laughs> bananas. Um, but the more I understand about it now, I still think they could be faster, to be honest. But but I understand <laughs> – but it's not like you could cut it down by a tenth, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe yeah. it could be 18 months, right? It was not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. 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 My mom and kept I, saying like – When's it coming out? Why is it taking so long? I'm like, I don't know, Mom. It's just how it is. Yeah. yeah tell for, them to hurry. For, for me as the, the author and I illustrator, I was like, I can't really complain about timeline because mm. I have, I'm not doing the work right now. Yeah. Right. I had all the time in the world to mess around with the text. So. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah you, you kind of want to give the illustrator as much time as they can to do everything they need to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Do they worry about sequel rights, franchise rights, things like this? Is this something your agent pounds out? Like, how, how much is that built in? Uh, they do. I, I guess every contract is different. Sure. I don't really want to yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Y- you know, if I were to write a sequel, I would be writing it with SNS. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the illustrator oh, also yeah. would be the same? Oh boy, I hope so. <laughs> I know. I just wonder, like, maybe do they have do they have rights of first refusal to do it again, or maybe they have Probably. to do it again? I would if, imagine so. Yeah, but I don't know for sure. And I, w- I would say that as far as pitching, I mean, there there are um, exceptions to the rule. Like, there's a book called Little Elliot, um, Big City that came out a couple years ago, and by mm-hmm. Mike Carrado. and I think he off the bat got like a three book deal, huh. and that was like his first his first deal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that was more on the editors or the publishing houses side. I mean, like, we want to do a three-book deal. Right. Um, I, I think you're typically discouraged um, from pitching, if you're, especially if you're a debut author, sure. from pitching a book and saying, this is going to be the first of like a six-part series. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't really mean that. I meant more of like on the off chance that they want to do another, like the publisher's uh-huh. interested, it does really well, even if you didn't imagine it as a series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what kinds of assurances you have to give the publisher or illustrator you know how that works because in adult fiction usually you know ahead of time if it's going to be a trilogy but sometimes not um mm-hmm. or you know a sequel or what have you but a lot of times there is a you know if a substantial number of these characters appear again for whatever reason that you know there is there either is it's either included or excluded explicitly that it's you know going to be with this publisher um for sure um okay so that we got the illustrations done um, the book is put together. We're waiting two years. Um, how does publicity for children's books work? Is, is there is there an interview circuit? Is there, you know, what are the big rags that you want to get an interview, uh, a, a review in? What what are you hoping for on the publicity side um, when your book is uh, in the review process from trade mags and consumer places? What if you could, uh, let, let me ask this: If you could get a great review from anywhere. For a kid's book, what, what, where am I looking for, Min? What, what am I hoping for? Um, I, I'd say the, the big ones out there are are the New York Times. Okay. The Horn Book. The Horn Kirk, Book, right. Yeah. Kirkus, mm-hmm. Publishers Weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm, I think BookPage does some. Like I'm, I know I'm leaving something Sure, out. sure, sure, sure. And actually, surprisingly now, um, Maria Popova. At oh, Brain that Brain has kind of, yeah. Yeah, she, she's developed... Uh, a pretty strong presence in the the kid lit world. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, well, she'll post, you know, 10 pages of a book. I, I mean, uh, you know, she, she does big, full-color, multiple pages of not just kids' books, but anything that has big illustrations. She'll give a nice big excerpt in there. It looks really great mm-hmm. on the site, too. I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, and I think what, what one good one thing about her appeal is that she's writing to a broader audience, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of these other um, magazines may be writing to the a specific target audience. Right. Um, whereas hers kind of has broad, broad um, range. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But did, did, did I miss anything? Um, I, in particular, because I'm a librarian, I wanted school library journals yeah, I was gonna to like one, it. I was going to ask about <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> that's, that's the one. And they did, um, which I was very grateful for. Um, and the ALA book list, you know, I just, I just want the librarians to like it. I want the kids to like it. Um, it's great if the New York times likes it, but I screw the critics, man. I don't I'm care a real about them. Um, you the know, librarians and kids to like it. I want the true. people to like it. I sound like a jerk, but it's true. Like that's, <laughs> I just want people to enjoy reading it mm-hmm. in story time or with their kids. So, um, you know, but it was nice to get recognition from sure, school library journal in particular. Um, but yeah, I think those are the main ones. Um, sure. So, I mean, New York Times, of course, we'd expect in Publishers Weekly, which is, for those of you who don't know, that's the big whole publishing industry trade magazine. It comes out once a week. It's horribly expensive to subscribe to for an annual <laughs> membership. I know because I do it. Um, but they do, you know, all sorts. They do a bunch of reviews every week. Um, and there's a few red stars and there's a few that aren't. And you, you don't have to get a red star to get a really good review there either, which is I've always found interesting. Uh, about Publishers Weekly. So then the reviews come out, and uh, do you, are you doing interviews? Are you doing readings in bookstores? Uh, what, what, what's available to a children's book author in terms of, terms of publicity? You, you, your, your launch is coming up, Rita. Your launch party is yeah. coming up. But what, what else is on your docket? Do you have other publicity stuff going on? Um, I, did, I did a couple of interviews, mm-hmm. and you know, mostly like children's-related publications. Um, I had <laughs> my official launch date was September 13th, two days ago. Mm-hmm. And we had a little story time at the library mm-hmm. and there was no press or anything, but mm-hmm. it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing a launch party on Saturday at book court. It's a bookstore in Brooklyn and it's lovely. It is. I'm very excited. So it'll be like a little reading and Q and a type of thing. And then I'm hoping to schedule more. I have another reading scheduled in Brooklyn at the Greenlight Bookstore, like that kind of thing. Like I just want to do various story times. Um, That's that's my angle. And and you you are you wanting kids to show up or adult? Like who who who's coming to these? Who's coming to? Well, for the specific story times, Uh yeah, it's 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 kids. kids. But at Book Court, are you expecting adults or kids or a mix or? Well, (laughs) Book Court, I think will be mostly adults. Yeah. Friends and family sure, and gotcha. okay. contemporaries. There might be some kids showing up. I'm not sure. It's at four o'clock, so it's not exactly a story time hour. Right, right, right. Oh wait, one story time hour. Wait, four o'clock's um, not. So you can't do stories at four. You can, but generally, I find that the bookstores schedule them earlier in the morning, like okay. eleven or okay. ten or eleven. No, that's true. I mean, four o'clock a- is late afternoon. The, that's you're, you. You could melt down. You could have meltdowns. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and you want you want kids there but hopefully the kids will have parents with money there to, i was gonna to say your book. They, they bring the american express black card for the five-year-old exactly. i'm not sure they're gonna see that thought one. didn't even occur to me <laughs> well you just want librarians and kid to like it you don't care to you know you don't care about selling the book um and like, what did you do for what did you do for yours um so i was thinking that for our launch um we did a, a morning 
a daytime reading at Politics and Prose, which is mm. a, a really great independent bookstore down here in D.C. And we had a school there, so we had a, a reading, and a lot of friends and family showed up. And then they also do community readings, that, which happened to be in my local library. Mm. So we did another event that night with um, Open to the Public, too. And so we, we did two on that day. Mm. And then I think after that, it's a lot of working with your publicist and yeah. like trying to pound the pavement and just trying to, to get out there. I was lucky enough to be sent to um, ALA mm-hmm. shortly after. And that was really great because, like you said, getting to to just talk to, to librarians um, is probably like the, the best way to go. I, two, two things that worked really well for me was I got to go to ALA and then I got to go to this thing called Nerd Camp out in Michigan, mm-hmm. yeah, um, which was amazing. And you're just like, it really is like camp. You're there hanging out with teachers and librarians for three mm-hmm. days and then like 700 kids from the community came for, for events afterwards. And oh, wow. the, the, the kid lit community is just, yeah. there's a lot of great blogs and a lot of just like a really great online presence um, that, that really can kind of give, give some lift to, to a, to a new book. You know, I was um, in preparation in the very little prep that I did. And, and trust me, I did very little intentionally. <laughs> so, but also cause I, I'm lazy. I was looking at the children's bestsellers, in Publishers Weekly. And, and what strikes me is, you know, book sales are tough for every book, unless you're James Patterson or JK. But with kids, you're competing against like, you know, I'm looking at the top 20 bestsellers. It's like, there's still six Dr. Seuss books on there. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I mean, you know, the 800 weeks for a good night moon. Um, yeah. You know, 812 weeks for a brown bear, brown bear. What do I see? I see a, a red door looking at, you know, I, I guess that's one thing that's a little bit different, uh, a lot different, a little bit different for adult books, for the kids' books. I'm looking at the top 20 bestsellers for adult, and, you know, maybe one's up there for 50 weeks of someone, you know, Girl on the Train, and it's on paperback, and it moves to the paperback list. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the lifespan of, of a children's book? You know, it's either forever. It, like, how long do you expect your book to be in print? How long, are there paperback <laughs> versions? Like, after the book is published, like wh- what comes, what are you hoping for next? Is, is there a thing you're hoping for next? Jeff, you're going to make me need Xanax. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have sent you a virtual bottle of wine. These are things that keep, keep us up at night. I don't know. I don't know about men. I, I'm, I'm grateful to get to this point. Sure, I, don't, no, I, I, I don't know. And I'm not saying like, yeah, if you're thinking beyond this point, that's not a good thing, sure. but I'm just like, I, I don't know what don't to know. expect. <laughs> and it's weird. Like the book's, that endure Mm -hmm. don't always make the bestseller list. Sure. And I'm I'm talking about like, you know, teachers and librarians, Yeah, you know, they know what, what works for them and their lessons and story times. And you just never know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, (laughs) I mean, obviously I would love to be on a bestseller list for 800 weeks, but (laughs) I'm not not banking on that. Yeah. Um, I I think that's another thing that's interesting as someone starting out or someone from the outside, it's hard to know what success looks yeah, like and right. what those numbers mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's kind of like a, an outsider perception that once you're published, you made it. Mm-hmm. Once your book's on the shelf, like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of copies are being out there and that you've got it made. Yeah. I think that's um, un- unfortunately not, not the case. Right. But yeah, it's, that's actually something, a conversation in the industry that comes up all the time, at least once, twice a year, that... There are so many great new books out there, but the sales are so dominated by the classics. Yeah. And trying to – people in the kid lit world and kid lit conversation know about all these new books that are coming out. 
but for the general public, a lot of times you go to, to what you knew as a kid, right? Yeah. yeah. So trying to expose more people to some of those newer classics that are, that are coming out. Right. But, um, and because someone's got to knock Dr. Seuss off the mantle. Right? <laughs> 500,000 copies of all the places you go this year. I mean, I yeah. don't know. How, I don't It's It's insane. I, I don't know what to Well, that's say. like gra- everyone's graduation gift. Sure, yeah. sure. But even like exactly. green eggs and I mean, there, again, it's just so it's so interesting because like I don't even know what the equivalent. F, the Great Gatsby is at number 11 on the bestseller. To Kill a Mockingbird does sell a lot of books, but like that's probably the closest analog in adult fiction world is like stuff people have to read in high school, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, anything that makes those sorts of the catch 22, but they're not in the, they're not n- number seven in the dog days of August uh, on the bestseller list. It's, it's, it's such a different landscape. It's fascinating. I, I, I was serious though. Is our paperbacks in kids books of things? Like I think um, both of yours were hardbacks, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the flaps. Do they come out as paperbacks? Is that part of the process standard or, or not standard? It depends on sales. I mean, there are paperback picture books and. But is that, is that, is that, I mean, is it unusual on the upside to get a paperback? Whereas opposed to adult fiction, like, you know, a Midwest book will get a paperback most of the time. Uh, I don't think, I don't think the paperback um, market in kids book is as strong. Yeah. Um, And in general, the financing of kids books is a really tough nut to crack. Mm. Um, Because if you look at like a, Brand new hardcover yeah. novel, right? It's like thirty bucks now. It is twenty seven, twenty six mm-hmm. ninety nine. Yeah, I was yeah. looking at the pricing too. Um, go mm-hmm. ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt there. Oh no, but yeah. So you've looked into this. So like a, a brand new hardback picture book yeah. is in like the sixteen to eighteen dollar range, right? Mm-hmm. And you want it, you're kind of at this intersection of interest in that you don't want to price kids out of new books, but mm-hmm. then also if like the price of books doesn't keep up, can authors yeah. And illustrators make the living that they need to do. So you're mm-hmm. kind of, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but that's, that's something that I think the industry is trying to, to figure out. And paperbacks come into play there because then that's a more affordable. Right. Well, less durable too, I guess, for kids too. I hadn't really yeah. put that together as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Though most books are, if a book is a, is really good, then it's not going to be very durable. It's going to get yeah. torn apart. <laughs> oh, sure, right. It's going to yeah. get chewed. Going to uh-huh. get chewed and drooled on and spilled yeah. upon and things. That's like really that. that's really the dream to have your book covered in drool and <laughs> yeah. torn apart. And, and libraries have to replace it all the time. Keep buying copies uh, exactly. over time. Um, what what else? What haven't I asked? That what do you think people would like to know? Anything else that what, what were you surprised by by the process, Rita? So far, I mean, you still have a lot. I mean, both of you are. I mean. The book is out. Um, Min's a few months ahead of you in the cycle, yeah. but um, so maybe we can talk to up to launch day a little bit. But what, what's <laughs> what surprised you so far, Reed? Um, I think I guess the waiting, the yeah. the time, and the um, like I said before, you kind of have to let go of things. Like I, so here's a secret: and, and my book was supposed to originally take place in a library. Part of it. Mm. And I was like, I have to have a library in this. You know, I have to expose people to the library, man. You know, and, but my agent very gently was like, this will work better. <laughs> like, if you just stay in one place, <laughs> you stay in, in one setting, mm-hmm. it's not going to seem so disjointed. I'm like, no, libraries. And then I finally had to swallow my librarian pride and mm. just say, oh, you're right. Um, so, I don't know. It's It's just the emotions that you go through trying to right. let go of certain things. And but also, I don't your, know. 
I was going to say, now you have your sequel lined up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> there you go. Edward, Sorry, screws up the, Edward screws up the library catalog. <laughs> Edward screws up the returns bin. Never. <laughs> Never. Um, how about for you, Min? What, what was most surprising about you of the getting, I guess, to, to press? Um, I'd say it's similar to, to Rita in that in order to get a book concept strong enough to send out, you kind of have to really find something that you can stand behind mm-hmm. and then be able to allow the process to play out and let go enough for, for the book to get where it needs to go is a is an, ad, an important adjustment to make. And I think if, if an aspiring author goes into this process holding too tightly onto their original concept, then it's not not doomed, but you're you're gonna have an uphill right. battle if you're right. if you're not willing to to let it let it breathe. Um, the way I was talking to someone about it recently, I was saying that because they a lot of I don't know if you get this question a lot, Rita, but a lot of times people ask like, so what is it like to have someone else illustrate your book? Mm. Um, and so my my Great. standard reply that I've been, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, the, but I was like the way I look at it is that that's the wrong framework or mindset mm. to to go into it with. That it's more, it's less an illustrator illustrating your book, and more I think of it as my text creating space for the illustrator to do their thing and work their magic to kind of bring our book to life. That makes Jesus, sense. that's good, man. So, I like that. That's very nice because it really is such a collaborative process that um. Except that you don't collaborate. It, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's if, what's weird, though, right? Like it is about creating space because you don't get. I mean. I mean, again, blah, 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 everything's different. But from what you guys have said, it's kind of a fire and forget. Like the text is theirs and then you have to be okay with letting someone else take a whack at it. But I think and, the illustrator is also very respectful mm, mm-hmm. of the story and the text. You know, like they're not like, ha, ha, this is mine now. <laughs> um, so they, they're they really trying to do the the text justice. And mm-hmm. if it, I mean, if it's a good illustrator. Yeah. And, and you have to remember that they're artists and if – if you're looking at them as just like a technical, right? like just bring my vision to life, then you're missing out on their expertise and their talent mm-hmm. and letting them. Right. Cause they're better than you are at illustrating. That's why they're professional illustrators. right? Yeah. Exactly. If I, if, yeah. if I could illustrate it myself, then that, that'd be a different story. Yeah. But <laughs> um, let's do, thank you guys so much. Let's do two quick things. I want tell me about your book real quick and then give me a pick for some, children's book that you, you think you wish more people read that's not yours. Um, so Min, why don't you go first? So yours is Let Me Finish. Give me the, the over, what, what's the book about? Okay, so um, it's, it's a book that's kind of, it's funny, I went on Rita's podcast, and I was like, it's kind of perfect for the Dear Book Nerd audience because it's a book very much targeted towards book nerds. Yes, excellent. So, so it's about a, a kid who's trying to find a quiet place to, finish, to read and finish a book, but he keeps getting interrupted by an enthusiastic cast of characters. Um, and it kind of spirals out into kind of metafictional areas from that point on. So it's, it's more or less about, about spoilers mm. and it's trying really to, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> and trying, trying to, to find the quiet, the, the kind of like the, the dynamic between the conflict between finding a t- quiet time to enjoy the things that you love, but also the fact that we enjoy sharing those things mm. very publicly now and how that kind of conflicts. And obviously that's not something that necess- a kid will necessarily be reading into it. Mm. But um but the the dynamic is hopefully something that's fun to, to work so they read aloud. 
Um, as far as the book that I that, uh, that I wish people would read, the one that there are a couple this year that are amazing. Um, Thunder Boy Jr. by Sherman mm-hmm. Alexi and illustrated by Yuji Morales is, is a fantastic book. And another one that I've been telling everyone about is The Sound of Silence by, um, oh, I'm blanking on the names right now. but um, I'll put it in the show notes, Sound of Silence, oh. I'll find it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I described the... I describe that book to people as a Dharma talk given by Christopher Robin. Um, oh, okay. If, if that, if that piques your interest. I think it blew my mind a little bit. I'm not sure if it piqued my interest, <laughs> but I, I, I blew my mind. Okay, Rita, tell yours is about a, um, a, a kleptomaniac donkey, right? <laughs> He's yeah. a pig. A pig. Yeah. Right. Um, basically a pig with anxiety mm-hmm. and, um, he's really cute little, I describe him as a particular pig. He likes everything to be just so. It's basically autobiographical. Um, and then eventually, like, he, he goes through his day trying to stay neat the whole day, never getting messy. And then eventually, you know, life happens and he realizes that, okay, you know, he, he can make the best out of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite as didactic as I'm making it seem. <laughs> but it's... It's basically just, it's like a love letter to art mm. and art programs and, and just going with the flow. Cool. Yeah. I know um, it's also really fun. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Min and I have been, I, I love Min's book and I think everybody should read it and buy it. Uh, it's very different from mine. Mine's more like a traditional narrative. Mm. So it's, it's kind of fun too. Min's breaking the fourth wall. He's yeah. doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, give me a, give me a pick. Give me a, something oh. you wish more people liked. I know it's tough. I hate when people do this to me, but that's why I'm doing it. Why did you do this? You didn't even give this warning. I didn't. Um, It's better this way. (laughs) It's better this way. There's a book I really like, and I never hear anyone talking about it. Um, Wonderful. It's called Those Shoes by Maribeth Boltz. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like this kid who wants a pair of shoes that everyone at school is wearing. Um. I don't want to, I don't want to okay. give away the whole plot. It, it's, it's a really nice story. Again, I, I like stories that are messagey without being messagey. Okay. Where you learn something without getting hit over the head with. Tell, tell the truth, know. but tell it slant as, as the poet says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, or tell it in a real way that, that kids can relate to and be like, oh, you know, that happened to me at school and this is how I could have handled it. That kind of thing. Cool. That make for a so, fun picture book where kids are actually getting hit over the head. Like, <laughs> with messages. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Collaboration. Yeah, and uh, I won't ask you if you're working on anything new because I know that's, that's really twisting the knife. So you can find out Min at Minley Books, um, M-I-N-H-L-E-B-O-O-K-S dot com. Um, also at Bottom Shelf Books on Twitter where books is actually B-K-S, Bottom Shelf Books. Uh, Rita, you can find it at ScrewyDecimal.com. And on Twitter, at Screwy Decimal. Screwy Decimal. And Min's book is called Let Me Finish. Rita's book is called Edward Gets Messy. They're both out now. Go buy them. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. I learned a lot. I had a great time. I, I think I learned that I could never do what you guys did. There's no, there's no <laughs> way I could do this. Too. There's too many things going on. But uh, congratulations uh, on, on getting it done. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, right. thanks for having us. 